Well, I hope everybody, as I mentioned earlier this morning, I hope everybody had a great Christmas, uh, time with family, and a time enjoying the sights and the sounds. And I really do have to say that I think that our, our services in December have been very worshipful, um, have been very beautiful as the sanctuary was decorated and as we had our um, Christmas concert with Mercy's Hand and we had the memorial candle lightings and we did we closed out with a, a candlelight service. I thought that that was just very beautiful and I really enjoyed, enjoyed that. But this morning, we're going to talk about probably one of my favorite subjects in the Christmas story, and that's the three wise men. Um, a few weeks ago, I had to fill in for um, Brother Wilbur, who was out of town, and I was like, okay, what, Lord, what am I going to share? What am I going to do? And I began to backtrack, and one of the things I find interesting is about every uh, two years, in December, I've gotten to share about the wise men. And every time I just, I see and I hear different things as I study and I sit down in that passage of scripture. And so this morning, we're going to, we're going to talk about the wise men. In your bulletin, it says that our message title is a purposeful visit. And they did come with a purpose. But I want to start with this. Uh, what if there had been three wise women, right? What if there had been three wise women? I found this on, uh, I think it was on Facebook that I saw this for the first time. So three wise women, if it had been indeed three wise women, here's what would happen. They would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have brought practical gifts. They would have cleaned the stable or the cave. They would have made a casserole, and there would be peace on earth. Well, I don't know how much truth there is to that. Obviously, we know that there were uh, wise men. And, and funny that, that we said that there were the... I, I hope I hadn't already said that, but we don't know exactly how many wise men came. We typically say three because why? Because of the gifts that they brought. We associate the three gifts that were brought with the three wise men, but we really don't know how many there were. So I want to encourage you and want to ask you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Matthew, the first uh, book that kind of gives us, that breaks us into the New Testament. And so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 2. And while you're turning to Matthew chapter 2, I want to just kind of give you a little bit of background. I want to remind you of where we are and who Matthew is. So remember that Matthew is a tax collector turned disciple because he followed Jesus. You get that? He's a tax collector who was a disciple not just because he claimed he was a disciple. He was a disciple because he followed Jesus. He was fortunate enough that he physically followed Jesus, right? We follow Jesus nowadays, and but we don't get to physically follow him in the sense of walking alongside of him, but Matthew did. A thing that we need to know as we look into Matthew's gospel is that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, right? There's no explanation of Jewish customs. There wouldn't need to be. Why? Because his audience knows what he's talking about. He refers constantly to Christ as the son of David, and he quotes more than 60 times from Old Testament, Old Testament prophetic 
passages. You see, friends, I love when I study this and when I hear these things and I read great scholars because you can't have the old without the new. Amen. You can't have the Old Testament without the New Testament and the New Testament points back to the Old Testament and vice versa. And so I'm thankful that as you read things like that, as you study these Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that They're connected. You can't have one without the other. And so Matthew has one goal, and that goal is driving home the fact that Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah. So let's turn into God's Word. We're going to read a a little bit longer chunk of Scripture this morning, but let's read this with open hearts and open minds. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Y'all say worship. Worship. All right, we have come to worship him. When Herod... The king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So I want to unpack this text a little bit. I I just want to take you through something pretty simplistic, pretty elementary that you learn in elementary school. The five W's, right? Who, what, when, where, and why. And so really quickly this morning we see who. who. Who is in this story, well, it's the Magi. It's the wise men who have come from afar. They're smart men. See, I am appreciative that as we read and as we study Scripture, that they were Magi, that they were learned men, they were wise men, they were, they were probably very interested in science. Right, They were interested in astrology. So these weren't just regular old, any old regular men, but these were wise, learned men. Right, And also as we study, we see that some scholars believe that these wise men came from all corners of the earth. What a picture. What a picture Matthew gives us that Jesus is the king over the world. Not just Judah. Do you see? You can't just look at the wise men and say, oh, well, these men came. No, but they came for a reason. They came from various areas because Jesus is the king of the world. What did they come for? 
they came to visit the king of the Jews. When did they come? Well, as Lonnie mentioned this morning, I think that sometimes we Americanize things and we want to just have a happy uh, conglomerate of stuff. So we just throw everything in the fishbowl and say, here's the Christmas story. No, friends, if you read the text, it tells us that it was after Christ was born. Right, He was most likely a toddler, and, and as we get further in the text, you'll see that they were in a house. They weren't still in the stable. They weren't still in a cave, but they were in a house when they came. Where were they? They were in Bethlehem. And why did they come? They came to worship Christ. They came to bring Him gifts. It has been said, although ignored by some, And rejected by others, Jesus is the joy of those who, like the wise men, find Him. Let me step you through this text really quick. Verse 2. Where is He who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw His star when it arose, and we have come to worship Him. They didn't just come. They didn't just make a journey because they felt like making a journey, but they came to worship Him. And when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. Why was Herod troubled? He was troubled because he was the king. Wait a second. You mean to tell me there's another king? Well, I'm the king. I'm the one who's in charge. He was troubled because his throne and his authority was threatened by the coming of King Jesus. And all, and it says, in assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where he was to be born. And we see, as we point back to the Old Testament, and then Herod, verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly to ascertain what time the star had appeared. See, he wanted to know when it had been appeared. Had appeared. And he, in verse 8, he said, and it sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. Listen, y'all, no one can search for you. Amen. No one can seek Jesus for you. Herod's saying, hey, go and y'all search diligently for the child. And when you find him, you come back and tell me. No, that's not how it works. That's not how we're to seek Jesus. That's not the faith that we're to have. We're to seek Jesus independently. It can't be your mama's faith. It can't be your grandmom's faith. It can't be your granddaddy's faith. It can't be the faith that you've come to this church for since they set the cornerstone and and you've seen them change the carpet and paint the walls. No, that's not the faith that we're asking you to have. It's the faith in Jesus Christ. It's seeking him yourself. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? To seek him. That should be our goal each and every day. And then let's skip to verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, don't just skip over that. Let's, let's, let's spend a couple minutes or spend a few seconds here in, in this passage. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. Okay, well, that's praise God. They were excited because they knew they were on the right path. But listen, it says they rejoiced exceedingly with Not just joy, but great joy. So here's my question to you this morning as I was reading and studying this text. If they were so excited to see the star, that Scripture tells us that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, how much more joy was there when they saw Jesus? 
If they were excited because they saw the star, how much more joy was there when they saw Jesus? Amen? Verse 11, And going into the house, going into the house, they saw the child. We don't see that it says they saw the baby. The text says that he's, that they saw the child. He was most likely a toddler at this time. And they were with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So I want to call your attention this morning to our theme of this message. And that is worship. As our, as our, as our worship team was conversing this morning and, and making sure we had everything in line of, of how things were supposed to line up, right? We were talking about the theme of worship. And as we talked about, it's not just for today, not just as we read the Christmas story and as we're after Christmas, but worship is to be a lifestyle. You see, the wise men, they were on a journey to worship and adore the King of Kings. So I want to ask, us, I want to ask a very serious question this morning about worship. Who of you in here is an expert on worship. Who of you in here is an expert on worship? <laughs> All right. Smokey leaned over and asked Hazel that question, whispered in her ear, saw her chuckle. There's nobody raised their hand. Now, why is that? I, I'm no expert on worship. I even spent a semester in school studying the subject. And y'all, I want to tell you what, that was probably one of the most powerful classes I ever took. Did we get where we were supposed to get in our textbook? No. Because when we started talking about worship and we had people that were from different backgrounds, you had Baptists and Pentecostal and uh, United Meth, uh, AME, all these different backgrounds, all these different people, all these different walks of life. It was amazing just to come and, and just say, Let's study worship. And, and we really couldn't grasp all of that. But as we talk about the subject of worship, I think it was during that same time period, I would be remiss if I did not include a quote that shook me. It shook me. And it has obviously stuck with me. It was a challenging word from a pastor to pastor's and a pastor who makes much of Jesus. His name is Dr. Johnny Hunt. And listen to what Johnny Hunt said. He said, why do we desire corporately or collectively what we don't desire personally and privately? Why do we desire corporately or collectively what we don't desire personally and privately? Here's what he went on to say. He said, worship begins in your prayer closet with the door shut. Amen? So listen, think about that the next time when you come to church. Why do you desire something at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning that you do not desire outside of these four walls? Now, and that's not just personal, that's collectively. Why do we as a body of Christ, oh God, we want you to fall down, we want to, we want to see you, we want you to move of God, we want people to be saved. 
But when we walk out of these doors, what are we doing to seek God? How are we living? How are we living on mission? How are we finding community with other believers? How are we serving the least of these? How are we serving our community? Listen, friends, if you come to 227 Broad Street at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning and you look to this as your only means is getting your worship bucket filled, I'm sorry to tell you that your bucket is going to be pretty empty. Worship is far more than giving the Lord an hour of your time on Sunday mornings. Don't stop coming on Sunday mornings. Oh no, that's not what I'm saying at all. When you come, our goal as a body of believers should be to love, to encourage, to spur, to push on those that are around us. To seek God, to keep going, to keep pushing ahead, to keep having faith. Amen? That's what we're supposed to be doing as a body of believers. That's what should happen whenever you come on Sunday morning. Whether it's from the prayers, to the songs that we sing, to the messages that are shared, to the time of the offertory hymn. The time of reflection, the time for us to do something. How do you sit week in and week out and listen to messages and not move? But we've got to push each other on. Friends, the Christian life is one of discipline. And we have to take a look at our priorities and allow God to change us. We, we need to come with open hearts and open ears and open minds. And so I ask you this morning, are you looking for a change as, as we look forward to 2019? It's, it's knocking on the door. It's right there. It's right around the corner. Listen to this nugget of wisdom. Your teachable heart is how the Spirit is able to bring about life transformation. So therefore, you have to ask yourself, am I teachable? Will I allow God to transform my life and my family this coming year? You see, we have to change our attitude towards worship. We have to change our attitude towards worship. And here, here's a few things I want to, I just want to call your attention to, right? This subject is so broad. I asked this morning, is there anybody who's an expert at worship? No one raised their hand, right? Some of you have been worshiping longer than I've been alive, longer than Kendall and I've been alive combined, you know, but, and, and it's okay. Nobody is supposed to be an expert, right? Because we're not going to get it right this side of glory, but we are supposed to continue to seek God. We are supposed to continue to worship. And that means, as I called your attention to that quote this morning, how, Francis Chan even said, how much faith does it take to keep doing what I'm doing? Right? You can keep doing what you're doing, and that doesn't take much faith at all, does it? Step out in faith. All the time we talk about what's the next step that you need to take. I didn't say a leap. I didn't say jump from up here to back there in the back. No, a step. What is the next step that you need to take? So as we think about worship, a couple things I want, I want to call your attention to. It costs. Worship costs. It costs you time. It costs you energy. And it costs you money. Right? 
I don't want to get too far. I don't want to chase rabbits, but I want to say this. The reason the people of God don't give is because they can't give. They're so strapped that they have no capacity to give anymore because they're living beyond their means or they just got so many bills, whether it's medical or other things that are happening or they've taken on trying to help their children or somebody else. And so they have no capacity to give. There's people, as as I've told y'all time and time again, we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like. I didn't say that. Dave Ramsey did. And it's the honest to God truth. Stop trying to impress somebody else. But that's why something like financial peace, a a class that's going to help you kind of look at your finances. That's why the people of God can't give. That's why churches are struggling because there's not an emphasis on, yeah, you talk about, oh, pastor, you're just giving me another message on giving. Okay, yeah, you are supposed to give. Amen, you are. But guess what? If the people are taxed and they haven't been through that and there's no capacity, there's no room to, there's no wiggle room, then how are they ever going to give? How are they ever going to do what God calls them to do? But guess what? That's nothing, that's, un, that's not unlike any other thing that we struggle with in our lives. We have to come into that and say, listen, I don't have it all figured out, too. There's some weeks I can't give what I should. But, hey, let me tell you, I did this. I learned this. What if you try? It's not going to happen tomorrow. You're not going to do this and take this class. and it be. No, these are long-term goals. But imagine what would happen. That's why something like financial peace is a great class. Listen, worship, there's a journey. The wise men show us that worship is a journey. Y'all, I want you to think about it. The fully loaded camels that they had with all their stuff and with their gifts, I read somewhere that basically they probably had about 800 to 1,000 miles that they had to travel. Okay? And at best, at absolute best, they could travel 18 to 20 miles per day. Now, what's fascinating, let's just say they had 800 miles that they needed to go. And at best, they could travel 20 miles a day. When I was sharing this that Sunday night... I didn't have that in my notes, so I figured that out. It's 40 days. It was a 40-day journey. At best, a 40-day journey. Isn't it interesting that 40 days, 40 days, 40 days, pops up all over Scripture. There's a gift. Worship, there's a gift. Not for you, but for Jesus. They gave. You see, the essence of true worship is honoring Christ for who He is and being willing to give what is valuable to you. What do you value? Is it your money? Is it your checking account? Is it your time? I thought of the song, We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. We cry, holy, holy, holy. We cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. We sang this morning, Oh, come let us adore Him, for He alone is worthy. Oh, give Him all the glory, for He alone is worthy. Our King has come.
We're to worship Jesus for who He is, for what He's done, because you see, friends, it's all about Him and His glory. It's less of me and more of Him. I'm reminded of Apostle John's famous words that we should all apply to our lives each and every day, and that is, He must increase and I must decrease. Right? That's what John said. That should be, God, how can I decrease? How can you increase? That should be our cry. That should be our passion. That should be what we're, what we're striving for, to make much of Jesus in our world, in our circles of influence. Time is nigh, but very, very quickly, we cannot look at this passage without looking at their gifts. Can't look at this passage without looking at their gifts. Really quickly, gold. They brought gold to Jesus. That speaks of his sovereign dominion. He was born a king. They brought gold. They brought frankincense. And that speaks of his sinless deity. He is God in human flesh. You see, in those days, they worshiped the Lord by burning incense and a sweet perfume rising up to the nostrils of God. It was a symbol of worship. Isn't that interesting? They said they'd come to worship. What did they bring with them? They brought frankincense because it was a symbol of worship. And it was to be used in the worship of God alone. Now listen, when I, when I read this passage, and I guess I, I just fell in love with it because I, I keep getting to share it. And the thing I love about it is we read through that gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Woo, yay, all right. They brought three gifts, three wise men. They showed up. No. L- listen, what is myrrh? How many of you know what myrrh is? Myrrh. They brought myrrh because it speaks of his sacrificial death. He was born to die that we might Live. Listen, listen. Myrrh is a gum. It's sticky. And it's extracted from a shrub and used for anointing oil, women's purification, and burial. But it's known for its pleasing odor. Why would they bring a gift used at burial when they came to worship the child? Myrrh was used to embalm the dead. John 19, 39, when the Lord Jesus Christ was being buried, they poured spices and myrrh into his grave clothes. And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came by night to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. You see it? You can't just read through this stuff and like these songs that we sing, you can't just sing them like you've always sung them. Step back and say, okay, what am I not seeing? What am I not hearing? What am I not putting together? And y'all, we mentioned this morning the three wise women, and and y'all laughed about that, and that is funny. But one line that stands out in that, it says they would have brought practical gifts. Can I tell you that they were not only practical, but they were purposeful. They gave us a picture. They were a symbol of who Christ is and what he came to do. He is a king, so they brought him gold. He is God, and they brought him frankincense. He is our savior, and they brought him myrrh.
How do you apply a message like this to your life? How do you apply what we've talked about this morning? And I want to tell you the answer is in verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. They fell. When was the last time that you fell before him? When was the last time that you truly worshipped Him? Because see, friends, when we fall down, when we fall down before the Lord, we, we can't look around. Amen? When we fall down, we, we, we can't look around. We, we can't, when we, when we fall down before the Lord, when we come to worship Him, we, we can't lean out and say, well, what's she giving? Well, did they put anything in the collection plate? No. When we fall down, we can't look around. So let me give you really quickly an acronym for fall. For fall. If we're going to fall, then we got to look at a couple things. we got to look at our focus. Where is your focus. What are you focused on? Okay? So we have to look at our focus. Then we have to check our attitude. We have to, you have to look and say, okay, Lord, what's my, where's my heart? Where, where are my motives? As Lonnie talked about this morning, and it was funny because when those little conversations that happen that you guys have no clue happens and, and things get stu- stitched together. But like Lonnie said, she came to sing because that's what the Lord placed on her heart. She didn't come to perform. And so at the end, she didn't get a big hand clap because you know why? Sometimes when you get a good hand clap, then it feels all about you. Amen? And so this morning after she got, I heard an amen. Praise God we heard an amen. But it wasn't your typical in the church like, whoo, yeah, Lonnie, way to sing that. You belted that out. No. But they, you didn't clap. And so I kind of chuckled to myself because of the conversation that we had had because it wasn't about her. It was about pointing you to Jesus. Amen? So we got to check our focus. We have to check our attitude. And then we have, I want you to think of this word, low. Get low. Others before self. Seek and worship Jesus first. I struggle with this word. I'm going to throw in, I actually have three L's, but, but really low, when I think about low, I think about love, right? Because what gets, what we love gets our attention. And can I call you to the last L? Length. Length. It doesn't matter how long. 
When we worship the Lord, it could be worship Him singing as you're driving down the road to a song on the radio. It could be praising Him. It could be asking, crying out for His help as you think of a need. When you think of somebody, you pray for them, right? So it doesn't matter how long, but simply you change your posture, you change your focus, and you worship the Father for who He is, and you adore Him. So a prayer this morning might look something like this. You, Lord, are worthy of our focused attention. Help us to fix our gaze upon your goodness and not be distracted by the next thing. There is no peace to be found in accomplishments, popularity, and will. True peace is found in your presence. So, so my challenge to you this morning, friends, as, as we close out this service, as we close out 2019 of worshiping together, I want to simply invite you to come and to get low. Right? To come and to pray Maybe to thank God for all he's brought you through. Maybe you see some mountains in the horizon that you're going to have to cross as as 2019 is just a few hours away. But I want to challenge you this morning. Will you fall before Jesus? Will you worship him? Will you thank him for who he is, for what he's done? So I invite you during this time of invitation, if you will, just to come and to pray and to ask God for his help and to thank him for who he is.